In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about why our bodies are important to God. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University of Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. I hope you're having a good week as well. Well, it's not a bad week. Basically, you talked about, in some ways, how this was not exactly a lesson about transgenderism. However, one of the things you absolutely were talking about was the idea of truth and what we would also call objectivity. Why is it important that we even have a conversation about this? Because, boy, Josh, it kind of sounds like it's a lot. It's really philosophical at this point. Well, there certainly is uh, some philosophy that, that goes into it, but every every age, every time period is is defined by basic philosophies of that time. Mm-hmm. And so even we were and kind of and I, I did get a question about this. So I was not saying from First Corinthians chapter six that the way in which the Greeks in Corinth would have viewed the distinction between body and soul is the same way in which Mm -hmm. people that hold to the current transgender movement view the distinction between body and your, your real person, who you are. Right. I was only making the statement that this idea that the body and soul are distinct and separate and, and one is you and one is not really you that, concept has been has been around for a long time and so various philosophies have kind of played with that idea and and come away with some some things that are pretty harmful uh, i think john addresses one of those in first john chapter 4 when he he deals with people who were denying that the christ came in the flesh um, right that's that's a pretty drastic and and harmful idea so so truth is important and objective truth is important um, the psalmist says in Psalm 119 and 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. And Jesus himself prayed that the father would sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, I know that's that's kind of a, a big mountain to climb as far as convincing society and the world at large of that. Mm-hmm. But we as God's people, that's where we have to start. We have to start with, okay, what God says about this is true. So what does he say about this? And that's what we were trying to do Sunday. We were trying to, to look at some truths that, that touch on uh, relevant current matters like the transgender movement, but we don't need to necessarily do a, a lesson that's simply focused on that. What are the truths that have been ignored that got us here? And if we examine those truths, and we can also see some areas where in our lives, okay, we, we may not have, have ignored or violated these truths in the radical ways in which we're seeing in the world at large, but maybe we've been ignoring those same truths in other ways. And, and that's you know really what we're trying to do in these kinds of lessons. You're, you're making a call, you're basically making a, a a plea toward objectivity and in, in many ways that that's one of these things that is a lot of people have, have, and I never thought we would get here, but, but 
there there is a, a large group of people that are that are saying that objectivity in some ways just doesn't not exist. And basically, you're focusing on our bodies. Why is concentrating on our bodies all, all that important? That's that's an interesting question for for us as believers. Yes, and, and I think because we have, I think we have skewed everything that involves God and religion and following God into a very spiritual take. And and granted that that is true and, and we know truths like John 4:24 God is spirit those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth but even in that passage the people that Jesus is talking about who would worship God in spirit and in truth are worshiping God in physical bodies right okay so he's not ignoring the physical aspect and, and maybe we look at passages like 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8 where where Paul you know says to Timothy you know bodily exercise profits little yeah yeah. And then goes on to talk about really what's important. And, you know, we're, I'm not getting on a health kick here, um, but, you know, we you are very healthy we, though, Josh. Well, uh, we, don't ask me what I ate today. Um, <laughs> but so, so, so we look at this and it's, we, we treat the body as very secondary. You know, let me, let me feed my soul. Let me, let me um, be, be very spiritual in, in my thoughts. Yeah. But everything that I do, that, that's my body doing that. And, right. and so there's not this dichotomy between your soul and, and your body. There's not this separation. And, right. and I think that's a very biblical thing that the, the text we were looking at uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is trying to emphasize to us. The body is important. God made the body. The body can glorify God. And by the way, this body, it's not going to be flesh and blood, but this body is going to rise one day. And this body is what's going to meet Jesus in the air and then be ushered into you know, the eternal abode with God. So, you know, the body's, body's pretty important scripturally. Yeah. And... D. D. Bowman is a preacher we both knew. He he talked a lot about the, the the new body that we would be given, and the same God that created our body created our spirit as well. And I mean, he loves both, and there's this dualistic nature that that we love to contend with. But God made us one person, and it, and that one person is both uh, a body and spirit. And we really, I mean, we really ought to be taking care of both of those things uh, as stewards. That's that's one of the things that, that we should be taking care of. Um, I'm sorry. Do you agree with that? I'm, I'm just kind of po- putting that out there. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, I clearly, you know, disagree with that. You know, we should we shouldn't be taking, <laughs> you know, the, the body, the body is very important. Um, yeah. Yeah. The And again, scripturally speaking. And I didn't even bring you know this in because I was trying to stay in First Corinthians chapter chapter six. But you think of what Paul says about the body. You know, in in Romans chapter six, yeah. we are buried with Christ. We are raised to walk in newness of life. Well, it's not just our it's not just our spirit and soul that is buried in baptism. The body is buried and it rises yeah. too. Yeah. And he goes further in that passage. He talks about now. Instead of presenting the instruments or you're the members of your bodies as slaves to sin, mm-hmm. now you present these 
to God as slaves of righteousness. Yeah. So it's it's again it's with our bodies, and, and again it's our it's our soul body unity that that's doing all this. But yeah. with our bodies, we are serving God and we are furthering His cause. And then, of course, you know one of the better known passages in uh, Romans, Romans chapter twelve and verse one. Our bodies are living sacrifices. It's not just my soul I give to God. It's my body that I give to God, too. And so much of my service is rendered by my body. So all this is a very important um, thing for us as Christians to remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about Paul. I'm I'm reminded in, in Ephesians, Ephesians 5. In the fifth chapter where he talks about nobody hated his own flesh. And that's kind of the argument he's, he's making. You need to consider your spouse, your own flesh, mm-hmm. because nobody hated that. Right. So treat them well, treat them well. Um, you also talked a little bit about self-image and, and, and kind of tied into with that, especially in, in today's culture, we have this, this self-esteem movement. Is this a Christian idea? I mean, if so, how did this become a Christian idea? I, I really do think it is, and I tell you, I, I've had more conversations about that part of the of the lesson, and, and I, I think that was a little bit of a, a zig or a zag that that people weren't you know necessarily anticipating. You know, we start off talking about transgenderism, but we start we end by talking about how we need to let God define define our self image. Well, the, the two are related, right? Uh, again, you you do the reading. And, and you see why it is that adolescents in particular are being influenced by this current craze. And it's because they, they lack self-esteem. They lack a, a positive self-image. And they're being fed that this is what you should be. And if you're not this, then maybe you're something else. Yeah. Well, that's a very uh, important concept. You know, and I've talked to, to parents of that have daughters, and Kenny, you've got a daughter, and it's hard enough with sons. Too, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's hard enough with sons of of keeping their self image and their self worth um, elevated to where it should be. And granted, there's there's you know a level it should be, and there's a level it shouldn't be. I've got I've got one that. You know, we kind of have to to prop him up, and then I've got another one that we kind of have to bring him down sometimes. So oh, there's there's that, a dude. there's a balance that has to happen there. But my heart goes out to, and particularly uh, the young women and the parents of young women, because mm-hmm. what culture feeds them is you're valuable if you look this way. Yeah, and there's not a lot. lot and there's not a lot of people that look that particular way. So. A lot of this comes back to self-image. Now, do I think this is a Christian ideal? Absolutely. Because in Scripture, God makes sure we know, and makes sure we know several times, or really throughout, that He loves us. Why, why does mm-hmm. God need to, us to know that He loves us? That, that, that helps us to see the value that we have. Because mm-hmm. we can read plenty of passages that talk about how we have failed God and, and you know we have sinned, we have gone astray. So we could focus on those and have a very negative, you know, self-image and self-worth. But then you come back to these hallmark passages like John three sixteen. God loved the world. He loved me when I was His enemy. Romans five and verse eight. Right. Um, so so God wants us to have this kind of positive self-image. Mm. I am valuable to God. 
Now, again, God's doing the same thing that we as parents do, because in other passages, he'll talk about how, you know, don't think too highly of yourself. Uh, (laughs) Jesus says in Matthew 18 and verse 10, you know, woe to you who despise one of these little ones. And that's that's you know very easy to do. You look down on others. You despise them. He says, you know, you can't do that. So God is always trying to balance this this self esteem and self image that we have as well. He wants us to have um, self worth because He loves us. He He sees something valuable in us as our Creator, and so He loves us. But He also doesn't want us to begin to think too highly of ourselves. And so that's why we also have all these passages like Philippians 2, where Christ humbled himself. And so we need to kind of be brought down sometimes. So there's this this area where he wants us. He doesn't want us to think too little of of ourselves. He doesn't want us to think too highly of ourselves. But in, in the middle there is where God wants us to be. And he wants us to know that we have this value to him. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, as parents, we kind of understand exactly that balance that you're trying to strike there. I, I, would you agree that, I don't know, I, would you agree that we're invested with value? Because one of the things that I, I, I think a lot about is that individually, we are not valuable, but God has still purchased us with a price and has invested us with value. Uh, I think about like the house that I'm living in right now, uh, I've got a mortgage note on it. I know how much the bank thinks it's worth. But when you put this house on a, on the real estate market, it is worth no more or no less than what somebody's willing to pay for it. Uh, God has invest us, invested us with value because he's paid a high price for us. And so it's it, he, he has made sure that uh, we are valuable to him not because he's going to sell us or, or buy us on the open market, but because he loves us that much. Does that make any sense at all? I think I think the the value of each person is is emphasized by two aspects of scripture. There's a creation, of course, mm-hmm. and if you you know you're you're teaching Genesis right now, and so that's where the Genesis account begins. So there is yeah. this inherent value in each person because each person, and again not just soul, not just spirit, body as well, Right, is created in the image of God. Yeah. And so that's why God would send his, his son to redeem not just a few, but to make redemption possible for all, uh, even right. those who, who aren't going to take it. So yes, there, there's value there. And then of course, there's the, uh, shall we say, added value that God places on us that he was willing to redeem us. And uh, he he paid that price of his son to redeem us. So there's that that value put into us there. So so yes, uh, the the value that we have is because of the value that God has given us, both in creation and in redemption. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, I walked away from this sermon. One of the things that I that I kind of started thinking about is this was really a, a, a sermon about setting. And accepting standards that that when you think about the standards that God has set up, uh, you kind of reject those at your peril. Um, it, but we live in a time where the rejection of standards has 
kind of become, I don't know, fashionable. Uh, definitely, uh, and I'm not interested in this having a political conversation at all, but I, I think there's there's a lot of people that love monkeying with the standards that are there and and, and just denying the standards that are there. How does conforming to the standards that God has created for us help us in God's upward call? Let's focus on that on that first part there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that I've been reading and um, kind of researching going into this past Sunday's lesson and, so, and some other lessons that are are going to be coming. A lot that I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into. I understand. Um, you know, there's. There's a lot of horrific uh, things you can read about what all is involved in the in the current transgender movement and um, what these young people are subjecting themselves to. And I tell you, a lot of the critique that you're seeing is it's not even just God's standards that are that are being rejected in this. Common medical standards are rejected. You know the the uh, what's the the oath that that a physician takes that he will do oath. no harm yeah, yeah do do no harm yeah well do no harm historically would have meant that if you've got a a healthy part of the body then you leave that part of the body alone you you just let it you let it function as it should so if i go into a doctor and i'm just you know i don't like the way my left arm looks and I tell the doctor, you know what, I don't want this arm anymore. Well, the doctor yeah. should not remove that arm because the arm's functioning, it's doing what it should. Again, not going to get into the in the nitty-gritty graphic details, but that's what this whole thing is about. Yeah. This this whole movement is is taking a healthy body and making it less so and changing it and altering it. And so there are all kinds of standards. Well, I think what that's helping us see, and again, we, we, we're, we're, so we look at this very radical aspect in which God's sand standards are, are rejected and left. Okay, but go back to what Paul was warning about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in fornication. Yeah. That's not radical at all. That's, that's been a, a, an issue with humanity you know, almost since from the beginning. Yeah. And it's something that we in our culture are, you know, just kind of, it doesn't even, it doesn't even register with us. You know, if you, if you see a a television show or a movie and fornication is implied or it has happened, you, you barely blink an eye. Okay. Well, where has rejection of God's standard there gotten us? (laughs) Again, why is abortion such a, such a topic? Well, if fornication wasn't a problem, then abortion wouldn't be nearly the topic that it is now. Um, mm-hmm. And when Paul is even warning about how we use the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to get into this in, in a later lesson, it's because that's not what the body's for. It's not meant for that. And there's a reason why God from the beginning and creating male and female and then joining them together as husband and wife, that union, that that sexual physical union is meant for that relationship. And what Paul is arguing there is anything outside of that is a crime and a sin against the body. 
And it's not what God intended. So again, we see the fruits of this in our society, you know, at large. And, and so we, every time we reject God's standards, we see harm and damage. And so again, transgender movement, that's just the latest and the most radical way in which God's standards have been rejected. So how does God's uh, conforming to God's standards help us in our upward call? It's the standards of God that point us to Him. It's the standards of God that He is saying, here's where holiness is. Here's where truth is. Here's mm-hmm. where, and not only that, you know, I go back to you know, what God says to, to Israel uh, through Moses, and where Moses says, these things which I'm commanding you today are for your good. Yeah. Man, how much better society would be if we, <laughs> if we could acknowledge that. How much better we as Christians would be if we could acknowledge that, that, that God's not trying to be a, a, a big prude in saying, you know what, the sexual um, urge that exists in, in humanity right now is not what it should be. Right. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, in, in Mere Christianity has this really, really interesting uh, take on it. And he said, you know, if you went to a culture and and you went into a, a kind of a shady room and there was a bunch of men hooping and hollering and there was a ham sandwich on a plate uh, out on the stage, you would think, okay, something has gone wrong with men's appetites in, in this culture. Right. And the point he's making is, well, guess what? Something has gone very wrong with our sexual appetites in our culture. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah. If we get back to God's standards, then we know, okay, this is pointing us in the upward call. And guess what? By the way, along the way toward heaven, toward our eternal abode with him, life can be better here. Mm-hmm. And we can we can avoid a lot of the pain and a lot of the anguish and, and a lot of the harm that's going on in other people's lives as they have rejected God's standards. I think yeah. I just gave a mini sermon right there in the, in the podcast, but oh well. <laughs> But it works, but it works. I think you're right. I think, well, I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding obvious, God has given us a set of standards. (laughs) He created us. He knows what works best for us. So it it only makes sense that if we follow them, uh, we'll be better. I mean, that's just all there is to it. All right. Do you know what you're going to be talking about next time, Josh? I am. So as I mentioned Again, we're not calling this a series. I want to, I want to make sure that is emphasized <laughs> okay. and heard so by noted. all. We are going to have a few more lessons where we're looking at some of these truths that have been ignored, that have kind of gotten to where we, we are in society. But we're not doing one of those this coming Sunday. Um, this coming Sunday, we're, we're going back to our theme for the year, uh, the remnant. But we're going to be looking at Barnabas. As, as an example, and a specific kind of example for someone living as the remnant of God. So that's all I'm going to say about it at this point. But I, <laughs> okay. you know, Barnabas is, I think you and I are both agree, Kenny, in our, in our study of Acts. Barnabas is one of the characters. He's not as prominent as Peter or Paul, but Barnabas perhaps shines as much, almost as much, as, as those two characters. And so he's yeah. a great example for us to follow. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think about those unsung heroes of of, of the New Testament and, and Barnabas and and John the Baptist. I, I think are two guys that 
they just don't get as much press as they deserve. So (laughs) that's just my opinion. But anyway, okay. How about we talk about that one next time then? Sounds good, Kenny. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we reference in this episode is in the show notes. We have all our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.